Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. There are two things that come up a lot on this podcast when it comes to Christians and the church. One of those things is the progressive church, and the other is the church withdrawing from society and politics. I believe that we are to be very watchful of both of these polarizing areas. Unfortunately, since these two views are on the opposite ends of things from each other, they drive each other further away from the truth. The progressive church is usually very politically active, and they are driving away from the Bible and and biblical teaching in favor of societal norms. On the other hand, the Bible-believing Christians see the progressive church doing these things, and they tend to go just as extreme into the philosophy that we are to just concentrate on spiritual things and have nothing to do with society or politics. Well, both viewpoints are wrong and unbiblical and need to be addressed. And so I came across this article, and it was written by Nevin Hooker and published at uh, StuffChristiansKnow.com. I really feel that it is a great example of what I've been trying to convey. So wanted to bring it to your attention today. And it says that last month, Harvard named an atheist as its university chaplain. Now, you may, you may have heard or you may not have heard of this. This was one of those things is like, man, I can't believe that they would, they would do this. You know, how in the world would Harvard University hire an atheist to be their university, university chaplain? I mean, the chaplain's responsibilities include performing religious rites, conducting worship services, providing confidential counseling, you know, I mean, advising on religious and spiritual and moral matters and that type of thing. Uh, and there's a lot of different chaplains around. Uh, there's military chaplains, there's uh, chaplains for even like police departments and, 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 and ball teams even. Uh, and and they, they basically all kind of do the same thing. Uh, and you kind of have to be somebody of faith in order to do that. Um, the fact that any organization would name an atheist as as a chaplain is just pretty mind-boggling, to be honest with you. The, the ch- a chaplain is someone that represents the church and spiritual matters. And an atheist is someone that believes that there is no such thing as God, any God. I mean, they're, they're, they're not just agnostic. They're not just somebody who says, well, you know, there may be a God and eh, there might not be a God. I don't, you know, I don't know if I care, you know, that that's agnosticism, but atheists, they don't believe that there is a God at all. That, that, that the fact that, that people believe in a God is just a crutch for them. Uh, it just explains things that, that, that they don't understand. And so there's no such thing as God. We, you know, we all were created with a big bang or whatever, you know, that they, they, they go to, but they don't believe that there's a God. So how can you then help as a chaplain in scenarios where people need 
counseling and advice on spiritual uh, and religious and moral matters if you're an atheist. The fact that Harvard University would think that an atheist is the best person for the job is a sign of just how woke they have gone. Now, Harvard University was originally founded because the, the Puritans were concerned that their clergy were well-educated. So they, they wanted to make sure that there wasn't a situation like, like right now, we, we take a, you, you can look at a lot of different areas of Africa. And, and because, um, because of a lot of different circumstances, including AIDS, um, there, there's just a lack of, of pastors over there. And so you could literally be a pastor by just going through a workbook. Uh, and, and you could actually be a pastor for less than that. I mean, if you, if you've actually been trained through a, a little workbook that you went through, you're actually, <laughs> you're actually better trained than some pastors, uh, in different parts of Africa. And so, and, and I'm not just picking on Africa. There's a lot of different areas that are this way, but, um, but the Puritans, they, they felt like they really wanted their clergy to be well-educated. And so they named, they named Harvard university after uh, a pastor, John Harvard, Harvard university was, uh, um, was presided over by uh, a, a clergyman for 70 years. Uh, and this, this John Harvard and, it, and it's, it's original motto was get this truth for Christ and the church. Okay. If this was your original motto, truth for Christ and the church, then how in the world do you get to a point where you name an atheist as your university university chaplain? And this, this pretty much sums up the state of America and American Christianity in the year 2021. It's, it's just one example among many that we're witnessing a dramatic departure from Christianity in America. I'll, I'll spare you the, the statistics, but it's clear that Christianity is a massive freefall. It's in a massive freefall. Many prominent Christian leaders and artists have uh, announced they no longer identify as Christians. And so you, you may say, what in the world is happening to Christianity in 2021? Well, you can see in this article that 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 almost the the I don't want to say the freak out here, but it is the uh, the alarm that's that's sounding um, by this individual who is just basically saying, "Wow, look at what's what's wrong." And yes, we we can all do that. We can all say what's wrong, but but uh, but how do we handle that? And I think that you're going to see as we continue here. Uh, some of the things that we should we should be doing and some of the things we shouldn't be doing. Uh, he, he continues. He says, I'd name this crisis in six, six different ways. Number one, national politics have been elevated above the good news of Jesus, is how he puts it. He says here, he says, everything has become polarized. Christians have embraced false allegiance of political parties in the place of their allegiance to Jesus alone. COVID, the internet, and the volatile, volatile political climate have separated the church and Christianity into ideological tribes that have lost sight of their unity in Christ and have separated into their political allegiance, each claiming to be the truth form 
of, uh, and the true form of Christianity. Christians have listened to the allure of worldly voices that, uh, in, that, that encourages someone to centralize their race, ethnicity, class, and political affiliation. Consequently, as Christianity has declined, religion has gone away. We've made a religion out of our politics, is what he says. And he also says, and as Andy Crouch says, when you make an idol out of something, at first it asks for nothing and gives you everything. But in the end, it asks for everything and gives you nothing. So I will say to this, that first of all, you can see what he's trying to say here, that he, he identifies a problem, but then I think goes about it the wrong way. Since there are those that disagree politically in the church, is what he's saying, then those that are standing up and supporting biblical leaders and ideologies, they're, they're, what he's saying is they're elevating politics over Christ. Well, to say it another way, what he's saying is we need to concentrate on spiritual things, not temporal ones. And I would say to that, and then we wonder why our society is turning out the way it is, that it's turning away from God. I mean, you you can't say that there's these really bad things happening in our society and say, well, the answer to that is that we need to do things to support church unity and not have anything to do with politics or our society. You can't have it both ways. When the church removes itself from segments of society, it creates a void that is filled with something or someone else. The, the, the one, one of the reasons that there is so much disagreement about politics in the church is that there are those that are finally, finally taking a stand and doing something about their terrible ungodly leadership that we have in many segments of this country. So to say that we need to maintain unity, I mean, if we, if we are to try to keep the unity within the church by not saying anything about politics, then we don't have unity. We just have one side of, of, the, of the politics, of the political realm, plain, plain church. I mean, we, the, the, the unity of the church needs to happen when we grow spiritually, when we understand biblical truth, and we are able to work together as a church in order to help our society, in order to help build uh, people and, and, and help them grow spiritually and, and in, a, in a greater relationship with Christ. That's what we need to be doing. That's what forms unity. What, what isn't unity is when we as a church, we have so many different ideas and, 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 and so many different directions that we're going, and we just say nothing to each other. And we just smile and say, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. How about you? That's not unity. That's plain church. That is a church club. And too many churches today are those things. And then we, we look around, we say, whoa, can you believe what president so-and-so did today? Or what governor so-and-so um, you know, mandated today? Or whatever the case may be. And we just, whoa, this is just terrible. Well, you know, this is, this is awful. I wish somebody would do something about it. That's a club. That's not a church. And it's not a unified church is, is, is 
a, a church that that has truth on its side and is affecting its community and is affecting the, the society in which it is it, it resides with biblical truth. And so, so again, I, I understand that, you know, Christians can, can freak out about a lot of things when it comes to our society, but then how do we respond to that? Do we respond by pulling back and saying, well, we don't need, we, we shouldn't be having anything to do that. We shouldn't even be talking about it. Or do we say, you know what, we need to do something about that. We need godly leaders in there. We need, we need people with, with, a, with a moral backbone. That's what we need to be doing. Okay, let me continue, right? He says, number two, the rise of social media. In his book, Shadows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, Nicholas Carr writes this, imagine combining a mailbox, a newspaper, a TV, a radio, a photo album, a public library, a personal diary, and a boisterous party attended by everyone you know, and then compressing them all into a single, small, uh, radiant object. And that's what a smartphone represents to us. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. It's kind of kind of an interesting viewpoint. He said, John Mark Comer, in his forthcoming book, Live No Lies, writes this. The Barna Group called a cultural movement digital Babylon <laughs> in a pre-digital world to ex- experience the cognitive dissonance of exile. You had to attend a far left university or live in the urban core of a secular city like Portland or LA or London or Berlin. Now all you need to do is have an iPhone and Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, so what he's saying is that, that we, we had, whereas before, if you were going to hear these far left type of things and, and, and just these crazy ideas, you had to go to a, basically, you had to be in a, in a city where that's where everybody lived. <laughs> everybody there was, was far leftist like Portland, <laughs> LA, or, or you had to go to a university and now you don't have to do that. You can, you can see all kinds of stuff just simply by getting onto your smartphone. Everyone, he continues, can be exposed to extreme views merely at a few swipes of their iPhones. Social media algorithms are designed to continue to feed us content that keeps us interested in clicking. And often that means the content we uh, consume becomes more and more extreme. Now, I I would say that, that yes, that, that does happen. And, and we have, we have seen this mentality for a long time now. It's basically insert a technology here that the church seems to think is bad. And, and then they, they just go about condemning it. So if, if it's new technology in some way, they, they're, they're totally against it. And, and I think that's dangerous. I mean, oftentimes a lot of people don't know, but, um, the evening service in churches, one of the things that really got that going was the invention of electric lights. And there were churches that said, you know what, we're going to use that technology and we're going to go ahead and, 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 and install these electric lights into our church. And then we can have evening services. People will come out from, from a long ways to, to kind of see this and be a part of that. 
and and it, it it brought a lot of people to church. They used the technology of the day to be able to reach more people. But that's not really what our churches oftentimes do today. Social media can can be a a bigger part of people's lives than it should. I I will acknowledge that. Of course, that's the case. But just because we have a greater way of communicating than ever ever before does not mean that it's bad. It can it can make it harder to to keep blinders on for those people that you know, you know that everyone in in the church thinks the same way. So if, if people people think that you know, hey, we, we need to all be in unity and we all we need to all be thinking the same way. Well, like it. it it's going to make it harder for for those type of people that think that that's a good thing but but it basically is just a, a different form of communication but but how many people have access to the bible and biblical teaching now than they ever have before because of our smartphones i have a my the bible that that i read out of um you know more times than not right on my phone in the version I want. It's it, the, the, the translation that's best for me. That's awesome. And that has, it, that has helped. I, I was a, a youth pastor when, when a lot of the Bible started to go online. And, and I would, when, when the senior pastor would, would uh, uh, say, okay, go ahead. And he'd be preaching. And he'd say, okay, go ahead and turn to this passage. I would whip out my phone and I would, I would do that. Well, he pulled me aside one time and he said, Hey, you know, I know you're probably not online and, you know, looking at your, your, um, you know, football team and, and, and the fantasy league thing or whatever, but, uh, but a lot of people don't know that. So I'm going to ask you to bring a physical Bible and not use the one on your phone. And I thought that was the craziest thing because here is an opportunity for us to use technology in a really good way. And because, you know, there are people that just don't really care for that. And they're going to look down on you. We, we can't use it in the church. I think that's wrong. And I, I have had several friends and acquaintances and family members block me on social media because I asked a question about one of their posts or I posted something that they did not agree with. And I believe open and honest communication can be hard. And sometimes there's going to be people that just can't keep themselves from being offended. And it's okay. It's okay if they if they do that. If they're not mature enough to have a mature conversation and discussion with someone of a different political persuasion than them, then go ahead and, and make it so that you can't get offended. Go ahead and block that person. That's okay. But, but when it comes right down to it, this is just simply a, another form of communication and how we use it is what matters. All right, keep on going. Number three, American Christians have uncritically abandoned biblical justice in favor or so, uh, of, so, of social justice. Now, social justice in today's terminology means uh, e- equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity. Uh, we, we did a whole podcast on this of equality versus uh, equity. And, and what the, the terminology, it, it definitely means two different things. Quality, equality of outcome is completely different than equality of opportunity. It means waking up to the point where you see systemic uh, injustices everywhere when you want equality of outcome. Now, 
I, I definitely, um, I, I definitely uh, have, have seen this shift here in this article. And we're starting to see the other side of the coin. I completely agree with Mr. Hooker here. Way too many Christians have fallen into the trap of putting societal truth in front of biblical truth. This often happens when you don't know what biblical truth is. So you listen to someone say something that sounds good and can't compare it to the word because you don't know the word. And he says that Thaddeus Williams recently wrote a great book called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, 12 Questions Christians Should Ask About Societal Justice. In the book, Williams um, differentiates between social justice, A, or biblical justice, and social justice, B, an unbiblical uh, imitation that is society derivative. Now, biblical justice is giving others their due is is a is horizontal as well as vertical, seeing human identity uh, identity as functionally fallen or sinful, because we're saved by grace, we have no ground to judge or to think we're better than anyone else in areas of race, class, or gender. That's biblical truth. But societal justice B proposes an alternative worldview to the worldview of the Bible. It says that we are not all basically sinners before God but that we are basically either members of an oppressor group or members of an oppressed group, taking the, the place of rebellion against God. Social justice B says racism is the original sin. This type of social justice is associated with authors like Ibram X. Kendi and Robin D'Angelo and the Black Lives Matter movement. Williams says this kind uh, is, is extremely destruct, destructive to society and the church. And, and I would say he's completely right here. I mean, this is Marxism made palatable to many uh, within the church. Uh, it, it is just as destructive in the church as it is in the political arena. I know of many people that call themselves Christians that are completely convinced that if you have white skin, that you are an oppressor and, and benefit from our racist society. That this is this is not historically correct, of course, or supported scripturally at all, but it is what they believe because they have listened to many in society that preach this and believe it. And they believe all kinds of things about the church and how it's racist and and and, and its underpinnings and its its foundations are are racist. And you know, I, I could go on and on. We, we, we will we we've talked about it a little bit before on this podcast. We'll talk about it more in the future but it is a, a flat out lie. And the Bible would say that all lives matter since we were all created by God. But they would say that black lives matter more because of white lives. It, it's, it's okay to give non-white people privileges that whites don't have because whites have other privileges. This, it's, it's balancing the scales, they would say. This is, this is a, a frame... Uh, they they frame this as a loving thing to do and love is biblical right so so again it's 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 taking truth and skewing it number 4 christians are getting lured into unbiblical worldviews that appeal to their best nature of course the biblical 
uh, the Bible is against injustice and oppression of any kind. But the insidious nature of the prevalent secular uh, vision of justice is that they redefine who is oppressed and who is not oppressed and allow those who perceive themselves to be oppressed to totally demonize their opponents and avoid accountability themselves. Many Christians have rejected the good news of Jesus and traded it for a secular worldview that continues to to divide society and destroy the church. And I, I again, I, I would say I would agree 100%, but, but here's the rub. How are we to combat this kind of unbiblical thinking if we are not supposed to talk about politics? If we are just to concentrate on spiritual matters, why, why care about it? Because it, it does matter, and we should be talking about it, and we should be involved in our society and government. We can no longer stay silent for the sake of unity in the church. All right, number five, many Christians have rejected sexual norms that used to be clear in the Bible. Christians have rejected God's created order in favor of what's culturally popular. Our culture is continuing to embrace forms uh, of of new kind of agnosticism that seeks to dissolve the nuclear family, divide up God's people, and reject God's good uh, good creation. God's created order of marriage as being something that only takes place between a male and a female is something that is ridiculed in our culture. And not only that, but if you don't embrace the modern view that God's order should be deconstructed, then you're labeled a bigot. Similarly, the the postmodern worldview of a culture um, of our culture says that that our identity is only found from looking inward. And once you decide what that is, society has to cater to you. This worldview rejects God's view of sexuality, saying that men and women are not basically any different from each other, and that that says. And that says we shouldn't discriminate by refusing a man who wants to compete against a female in the Olympics. That says that gender is fluid and I can decide whatever I want it to be. That's Gnosticism. And in rejecting what God has created in favor of a secret knowledge that must be discovered, right? So I, I would say this is just leftism in the church. If you disagree, then, you know, or, or you want to have a conversation, even just to have a conversation about it, then you are ignorant. You're an ignorant racist bigot, in fact. And communication is a bad thing unless you are saying what you are supposed to say. <laughs> Independent thought and rational thinking is unbiblical and, and unity wrapped in love is the most important desire that we're, that we're to have. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's all part of the same thing. And he says, lastly, that everything is porn. <laughs> everything in our culture has been reduced to dopamine and clickbait. Add to the the reality that nothing is taken seriously anymore. Everything is a meme. Teenagers are allowing their worldviews to be formed by other disgruntled teenagers on TikTok. And because th- this clickbait uh, world that has hijacked our attention spans, few people have tolerance for long nuanced discussions about theolo- theological issues. Instead, whatever the latest hot take is that goes viral controls the public discussion and there's very little room for natural discussions outrage porn dominates our social media feeds we've forgotten how to silence uh, ourselves and 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 live in solitude Uh, we're, we're glued to our phones 12 hours a day outrage is what sells 
gets clicks, gives people that dopamine hit. Um, you know, algorithm feeds us uh, with with more and more extreme content and and affirm our pre-chosen opinions and ideologies. And we've all become addicts to the internet. Now I'd say, you know, it, it goes with the universal truth that we learn how we, we learn and grow the most in hard times. And I believe the church in the U.S. has not really had that many hard times for a while. And, and now we're starting to see the reverse of that. Now, you know, the, the article goes on and, and we don't, we don't have have time. You can, you can go read it yourself or whatever, but he goes uh, from here in, into some, some, uh, you know, historically speaking uh, things that, 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 that are probably coming to the church as far as hard times. And, and, um, and, and, and we can see some of these things we can, we can see uh, that we, we many times trade the news for the, for the Bible. We, we, Watch the news a lot more than we read the Bible. Um, you know, we, we should we should pray a lot more. Um, we should do, be doing nice things for our neighbors and and um, and and just just doing putting putting actions to to what we uh, what we say. But I, I will say this: um, the reason I wanted to bring this to you today was that I felt it was a great example of showing the extremes. Let's not find ourselves on either end. We need to make sure that we are not looking at society for biblical truth. At the same time, let's not look at society and build walls around ourselves and have nothing to do with it. Both are just as wrong and need to be addressed. And you may agree and you may disagree. would love to hear from you. And you can always go to UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.